I think you can start now. I think that's that's sort of what we needed. Hello and welcome to the CBGS podcast brought to you by Aspen Weight. And we have a very, very special one. Not just a special one, a very, very special one today because we're joined by special guest Ben Eltham from um, <laughs> RLB, RBL <laughs> Media. And he is a media and broadcast specialist and obviously Mr. Waite as well, Mr. Paul Waite. Who I'm also should be, a media and broadcast specialist. He is. He's become yeah. one very quickly. <laughs> I'm delighted to be here, and I like the. I think that my company name worked better, maybe the way you did it with a B first. Oh, okay. Because he's incompetent. That's why. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Chimpanzee Radio brought to you by Armstrong. <laughs> so yeah, we're very excited um, today, and um, welcome, Paul. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back. This is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it gets and, and welcome, Ben. Thank you, yeah, I'm just saying, delighted to be here and looking forward to it. Excellent. Ben's come all the way from Wokingham. Yeah, it's a couple of hours. So, um, and we first got um, to meet Ben through um, uh, his media company, which produces a programme called Back of the Net, which um, looks after non-league football, is that right? Yeah, on, the, yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube. Um, and uh, we've been sponsoring that for a few months now. Yeah, we're uh, almost uh, in 10 months. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, and um, this is uh, arranged through Gary White, who used to be the chairman of Colchester United, um, which not a lot of people know. Uh, is now the chairman of Haybridge Swifts, another team that we sponsor, doing quite well at the moment. I think they're fifth in the league, uh, so they need to, need to improve their form a bit. Um, so uh, through uh, Ben's relationship with Gary, uh, Ben started doing some, some work with Aspen Wake White, and um, I met uh, Ben in uh, my favourite uh, haunt in Reading recently. We had a good chat, and uh, Ben's now been helping us out for about three weeks, uh, including filming uh, my last keynote speech at uh, the Reading Business Expo. So uh, very keen to um, learn from him and uh, garner uh, all the special extra things he can give us. And uh, he's very kindly come down to join our podcast today, which is being filmed for the first time, I think. Oh, yes. We so, have lots of So we all have to be on our best behaviour because yeah. we have, have a professional Ben with us as well. So. And I was just going to say, the keynote speech is, is on YouTube. little plug plug in there straight away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah have to check that out. It seemed like it went, went really well. You had a, a very good audience. Um, talking, you were talking about yes. disruption. Um, yeah, seemed to go... Seemed to, yeah, seemed like to the Bulgaria-England game. That was uh, disrupted, wasn't uh, it? Uh, by a lot of monkeys like you. Oh, right. there you go. <laughs> so, Ben, you're a media and broadcast specialist. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how, how you got into into that, um, a little bit about your history? So we Yeah, definitely. Um, my, so my history f- from media and broadcasting was through uh, radio, really, through DJing, actually. I started as a DJ when I was, I mean, years ago now, when I was an early teenager, got really into... Uh, it was CDs. I wanted to say records then, but it wasn't. I have to say it was CD. It was lugging CD boxes around. And mm-hmm. uh, that got me into DJing. And I love playing music, but particularly liked the microphone and talking. Ah, and okay. I'd go to all sorts of venues as a DJ. And back then it was, it's, it obviously wasn't as digital as, as it is now. So you'd, you'd go to a venue and you'd play, whether it would be at an ice rink or it'd be at a, a small bar or a club. And people would really just play music and they'd mix songs together and I used the microphone a lot a lot mm. and so people there would be, I remember one bar in particular where I started had pool tables and you'd go in in the evening you'd play your music for three hours between eight and eleven if they had a football game on you didn't have to do anything for a while because they'd have that on and you'd play afterwards and then you'd go off and you'd bring your box of records in you play where people played pool and I went in there and I, I just started talking and, and just chatting and talking between songs, and I remember somebody said to me then, "You re- you really need to be in uh, you need to be in radio, and oh, wow. uh, rather than being or here. on a radio." Yeah, so um, <laughs> I ended up doing that at university. I, I went out of university and I I did it in a community radio station, um, and went on to work at uh, commercial radio stations and getting into podcasting. But it's really where back of the net started uh, on a radio show. 
um, on a community radio show. We started a show. We specialised in non-league football, and we did three hours on a on a Monday night uh, every week, and and that's where it started. And then obviously it's it's just evolved now into um, videography, production, multiple camera highlight shows, and different. Um, different events like that we, we filmed uh, in Reading with, with, with Paul. So um, it's, it's gone there. My specialism was in, in, in radio and it's, it's gone to video in production. Oh, nice. So That sounds really cool. It's, it's um, a great opportunity for businesses, I think, to, uh, with, with video and, and media. I kind of wanted to talk a, a little bit about that in this podcast, how, how we can use media. And you see podcasts like everywhere now like they're, they're, they're popping up all over the place <laughs> and it's a it's a really good way um to, to market yourself as a business and just to see the way that uh, you guys shot the expo it um is you know i don't think businesses are really um using that opportunity as much as they could be no, and i just wanted to know your your guys thoughts on that really so well uh, the first the first point was um basically how well businesses utilize Marketing and media. Yeah. So the answer is um, very poorly indeed, I mm. would say. Unfortunately. Obviously, that creates an opportunity for us. That's one of my, um, one of my visions, to, uh, to basically allow uh, the widespread businesses to produce, uh, to, have, to have quality marketing and media um, similar to our own. Capabilities. So, capabilities is a good word, yeah. So um, yeah, marketing budgets are um, meagre, I would say, um, Barely adequate, and um, are probably one of the first things to go during difficult times. Mm. But actually, uh, and this is proven this, but it's obviously easy as we've discussed before. Sometimes in business, making the right decision re- requires a great deal of courage. So uh, probably, if your business is going backwards, actually investing more in marketing would be a better idea than less. But obviously, people tend to panic and um, start to think they haven't got any money, so uh, they they tend to ch- chuck out things like things they should be doing you know because mm, mm. obviously if, if, you're, if your sales are contracting you want to be engaging in business development don't you mm. as, I, as I discussed at Reading you know doing things like looking at how how you can access more customers or are there are there tweaks to the products or new products that people want mm. uh, that aren't currently there I don't think people um, would really think that you can do that so much with uh, with marketing but that's a really big area that you can with your business like differentiate yourself um, so it's normally through products or something like that being disruptive, but being disruptive through your marketing by what offerings you can you can. Well, image is everything, isn't it? Hmm? Yeah, no, image exactly. Is everything, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, your portrayal. We, we actually. So when we go back to when we did the show five years ago, we built the back of the net brand and we started as I said in the community radio station. And when it, when we sat there, I, I remember sitting with the team and I said, "Has anyone got um, a camera they can bring in?" In fact, has, have you, if, has anyone got a couple of cameras they can bring in? Because yeah. straight away, um, we were doing this radio show, which was brilliant. Um, it went out on FM, it went online, and we told everybody about it on, on Twitter and Facebook. And it was, it was fantastic, because we would get a lot of interaction, we would get uh, listeners, but we, we knew we didn't have the, the, everybody that we wanted, and we knew that a lot of people didn't know about the show that we were doing. So the idea was straight away, put the cameras in, and I remember we did two shows where we managed to get a collection of cameras. It was really tight in this studio. It was, mm-hmm. There was records everywhere. It was, it was a community radio station that was used for so many different shows. And we, we put it out on social media. And we, we cut this small video together uh, um, of a, a section of the show, which was only two minutes, because you're only allowed to put two minutes onto social media unless you're a big okay. company. Oh. Um, and oh, we, I didn't know that. So you, so you, you can if, you, if you're... If you're the likes of Sky or BT or somebody that's got... Uh, I don't know how that well, licensing works. Probably. Oh. They, can, they can do it for longer. But we put this out and we had thousands of people watching this video mm. and commenting on this part of Brilliant. the show. <clears throat> and it just showed, even back then, that to, to market our show, even though it was a radio show or, or now a podcast... Mm. You, you've got to you've got to you've got to get it out there for people to then come in and subscribe to it you can't just mm. think well look this is a great podcast you should subscribe you've got to show them what it is it was it was a real different type of getting people in good I think you know going back to the point you made um, marketing is so important to Aspen weight I actually can't I actually I actually struggle to to even think about how I try to go about business without a marketing department mm. I, th- I think um, now, when you look at that uh, slide we put up last week, the park bench moment, we called it, uh, where 
uh, we've got 26 years of business and something like 19 and a half years leading up to the end of the last recession um, and what we call the park bench moment where you've got despondent Mr. Waite sitting on a bench in London having lost his mojo and struggling to see where to go and um, in, in, in for the purposes of that of that presentation you know it was presented very much as a, a rebranding and a, a relaunch as a professional services company but actually possibly the truth is that without also implementing the marketing department which was almost simultaneous with that mm. um, I would say actually that a single probably the single most important decision I've made is was actually to recruit Ross mm. and, and and actually be able to produce high quality literature and magazines mm. that's how it started out and obviously you know one of the things I always I always um, say to people is um, everything that we produce and that includes running an event everything we do is of the highest quality and obviously that 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 is subtle isn't it it's like subtle in itself because if you're if you're somebody looking at a company that's presenting high quality visuals mm-hmm. and i think visuals are are very powerful stimulus people on the whole it's much easier to get someone to look at a picture than it is to tell them to read 10 pages isn't it yeah mm, absolutely for sure. yeah for sure and and as well it makes me think as um we just said it's like having that in-house capability uh, for your marketing your design is takes it to another level as well like for your flexibility like I think people can look into marketing in the companies and they'll maybe outsource things which is okay but when you've got someone within your company that has those capabilities then they know your company a lot more they're invested in it a lot more and 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 that you know the kind of work that you can produce is more varied so that's something to think about like you said you employed Ross but Ross had it, it, it wasn't just a marketing manager he has all the design capabilities and all of that um to actually produce the art and Carly as well with her branding like you know it's um yeah seems quite an important aspect I think it's interesting that we, we the point you made about the uh, you know bit, that that sort of moment where you you thought right I need to get this uh, specialist in because this this is you know my biggest sort of investment and when you think about it now we're, we're sat here and we were talking about digital media mm. how many businesses would actually especially through tough times sit there and think well we if we went out and got somebody that had skill sets to uh, film edit video and we we can actually go down this route of mm-hmm. podcasting that that um we talk about the disruption that, that again it's that difficult decision to actually say well the this doesn't seem important to our business why do we need a video specialist or why do we need somebody mm-hmm. that can do this but actually mm-hmm. what it can get you you know it's again it's that brave sort of decision i think one that businesses wouldn't particularly especially smaller businesses wouldn't particularly think would be beneficial well, yeah. I mean, obviously, one one of the things is, um, as we said, you know, said it's um, one of the things we discussed in previous episodes is uh, it's easier to make better decisions when you've got money, and it's harder to make decisions when you don't have money. And the other thing, of course, is that um, which I also um, uh, have discussed is n- nearly all people go into businesses with in- inadequate training or inadequate um, facilities or resource to, to to go into business. So. Um, It'd be quite typical. So this is this is this is a, a true conversation with the CEO of actually quite a large company. I can remember, for instance, um, looking at their website and their literature, and I said uh, to this chap, um, it, it, "It's it's dinosaur-like. You need to change your website. It's not dynamic enough. You need to, you know, you need to to make it more appealing." And and, and the guy said to me, um, "Paul, you don't understand. You obviously don't understand." My customers are hairy-arsed hauliers, is what he said. (laughs) That's exactly what he said to me. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm talking about the customers you're going to get. Ah, that's it. (laughs) See what I mean? So what he was saying is, is I sell potatoes to these 20 20 chaps called Mick. Yeah. Right? And the the people called Mick just want potatoes, Mm. and they want them mashed on Monday and chips on Tuesday or something. But actually... um, there was a another whole wide world out there yeah. of another hundred mix uh, that didn't want to eat potatoes. They wanted to eat yeah. sweet potatoes or yeah. something, you know, or whatever the analogy is. Um, and it's that it's that trying to get people to see that it's not just about the now; it's about the future. Mm. So I think one of the things that we do very well uh, is I'm, I'm I don't think about tomorrow. I'm thinking about where we are in ten years' time, or and, and how we're going to get there, and what does the marketing department 
going to look like when it's finished, you know? Which gives it constant movement. Like what you just said then, it made me think about like standing still in business and how bad that is or how dangerous that is because that could lead to failure. Like if that guy did just keep that website or just did just cater to one set of customers, then, you know, it wouldn't open it up to the wider and and things would change because they naturally do change. Like you've said before, you know, Um, the market moves and you've got to move with it. So, yes. (laughs) <laughs> One thing that I find quite interesting when, when we talk about this, and I'd love to ask you, Paul, would be if you're a business and you're sitting there right now and you, you, you like, you're loving the sound of some of the things that we're talking about and you mm-hmm. think this is a great idea, and oh yeah, we could, how do you get to making that decision? What, what things do you need to consider when you're making those kind of decisions? To, to, you mentioned thinking 10 years in advance, and you, we talked about how this could be beneficial and how other things... It's, it's when you when it's tight on money, how what are the, the the benchmarks? What are the things that you need to consider before making the decision? Gosh, that's a bit of a question, isn't it? I think, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. It's a tough one, but I thought I'd put it out there. You know, my first <laughs> podcast, and well, you know, I think I mean the first thing that comes to mind is um, I'd say ninety five percent of people, or more than that, uh, would don't think about ten years time. So I think the first thing that came to my mind in response to what you said was it, it's all to do with your mindset, isn't it? So um, it's 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 to do with things like um, desire, uh, your DNA, you know. Uh, so for me, so for instance, I, I, I actually I actually have st- stood up in public in one of my speeches and said, I don't care whether you don't agree with this, but I believe I can be great. I said, I believe I can be great, and I would like to be great, and I want to give myself the opportunity to be great. So then, then you sit there and say, well, so what do I have to do to be great? So. So, for instance, we discussed this actually in one of our strategy meetings uh, with some very good input from Simon Butt from Action Coach, and uh, I remember saying to the to the to the meeting that my brain was very foggy, so I could describe in words what the future looked like, but I couldn't build numbers around it. That was basically what I said, and Simon said to me, "Well, so you 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 know you want to be the leading uh, firm of advisors in the UK? Clearly, therefore, there must be some mass in that." How big would you have to be in order to be able to say that and, and reasonably, you know, hold up and to scrutiny? And I found that, that, that the fog started to, to clear. And I sat there and I thought, well, I know what the size of the market is. So actually, this was, I think it was last September or October. So I turned around to everyone then and I said, well, that, that requires us turning over 25 million, mm. which has, as we discussed recently, now turned into 43 million uh, on the basis of uh, 43 million represents uh, one in 400 people loving us in the business community. So I think it's, um, so ambition. So ambition, obviously courage. Um, you know, sometimes, I tell you what I started doing, even though um, I think there's a little part of everybody, especially in business, that is, is like, a, I always say to people, I'm like a big strong man with a little boy lurking in the back of my <laughs> brain or something, you know, that's that's true actually. Mm. Um, so what I, what, I, what I started to do when I was, less confident now i just go i just i just go with it I've, I've done enough stuff to know what works and doesn't work so uh what i what i used to what i used to do to get myself to make good decisions was instead of thinking this cost twenty four thousand pounds i'd think about what what would it what would the business look like if i didn't spend twenty four thousand pounds does that make sense mm. so i didn't turn it into a financial decision it was what is the right decision? Mm. Right? Mm. If the business needs to do this, what do I need to do? Well, clearly I need to employ this person. Whereas I think traditionally what people would do is to say, well, I'm, I, I'm turning over 100 units. I'm making 10 units of profit. You know, I'm just about making that. So if I go and increase 100 units to 120 units, that's got to be bad. Mm. Whereas if you, if you turn it around and say it from a benefits point of view, well, actually, that's one of the things, you know, so without plugging R&D tax credits, one of the things which um, I talk about a lot with clients is um, you know you know that you need to make the investment, mm-hmm. but with our support, it makes it that much easier. So I pretty much say to people, everything costs half of what you thought it did. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? That takes a lot of fear yeah. out of making good decisions. I think that I think that was a great answer, but I think it was a, a really um, it's a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, you need the ambition and be able to see where you want to go, but actually to always look positively and think about it if you didn't do it as well. I think that's a, re- that's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, like mindset and um, also relationship with money as well in business. Um, like, you know, the way that you look at um, 
money or you you kind of need to change it in your head a little bit sometimes like like you were saying like not the cost of spending twenty four thousand, but what your business would look like if you didn't do that um yeah, yeah it all ties in the same doesn't it mm. yeah. cool interesting <laughs> so hopefully if 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 somebody is considering doing things like this and uh, uh, and other marketing um tools then then that that answer will help them i hope yeah another thing yeah another thing i just a, a, bit, a bit of uh, business wisdom um, which is yes, directly please. related to this, mm-hmm. is um, negative, answering a negative question is always much easier than trying to agree a positive one. So instead of turning around and saying, say to someone, how would you, you know, how would you blah, blah, blah. If you turn around and say, okay, well, uh, could you see yourself doing this? No. Could you see yourself, see what I mean? So it's, it's much easier to turn around and turn it around and say, well, could you contemplate... Um, so, could you contemplate your business not keeping pace with technology? Mm. No, I can't. Right? Which is a completely different thing than saying, how are you going to keep pace with technology, mm. for instance? So, mm. I use the negative a lot in, my, in, the, in I th- the way I think. I think about what I wouldn't accept. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. 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 Because that's a much easier, and, it's, and actually for coaching someone else, it's a much easier mindset to get that person in and say, okay... Um, so, let's say, you, you know, just, I'm not sure this is going to work, because I'm, I'm, just, I'm just making it up now, but... So let's apply it to going into a restaurant, right? So if I say to you, we're going to a fish restaurant, what do you think you're going to eat? Hmm. You might say, I'm not sure. Well, so yeah, I could say, well, are you going to eat mussels? No. No. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's Gets you thinking then. What, what do I fancy? If you, if you apply that into business, I find it a very, very helpful mm. way of um, making decisions. Uh, the, the other one, as, as we're on it, the other one I, I use a lot is what I call the 10-second rule. You've only got 10 seconds to make a decision. So instead of sitting there, someone says something to you and say, right, are you going to do so-and-so? And you think, so let's say that normally people will procrastinate and they might take days or hours and hours to actually decide. So I, I say, so I, what, 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 so something someone taught me a very long time ago. Mm. So you call it the 10-second rule. You've only got 10 seconds to make your mind up. So what's, what's, what's your brain tell you? Mm. Yeah. This, this first thing that pops into my head then as well is intuition so um i know that you rely a lot on your experience through business and the intuition that you have um to make decisions and i think when you're at the level you are um and you need and you need to make these big decisions like for me it's hard to to think of how you would because i'm i'm like kind of that what you'd say about procrastinating over it or just um but but yeah, if you if you use your intuition and you make a decision in the moment, you can you can generally trust that. Or is that what you're saying? Like uh, it will give you the right answer. Well, I suppose you know um, probably to 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 successfully utilise the ten second rule, what you've basically got to do is go with what comes into your mind. Mm. I do that a lot. I, I, I sit there with people and things come into my mind, and what I what I tend to do is I then dump. Because the, the way my brain works, I have to dump. What's, so quite often, I'm even in the meeting, I might go, "Sorry, um, can I can I interrupt you? I just this has just come into my mind. I need to share it with you." You know. So I think you know the ten second rule requires. So it says to you, right? You know, are you gonna are you gonna back Boris Johnson's deal? Yes or no? Right now, it might take you, uh, you know, several hours to actually to read, read through the, the new Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> so what what is what is what what, what is what does your instinct say? Yes or no? You know, and that's what the ten second rule does. So it is. It obviously has to be an intuitive process, doesn't it? Mm. You can't be any more than that because you've only got 10 seconds. Yeah. I did something similar, actually. I, I do something similar, and I think that's probably linked to a bit of um, OCD because I, I've, always, well, yeah. I've, always, I've always had a, a thing where if I've got a difficult decision to make, I'm, I'm, my time for me is, is, is my, my biggest thing. Time is, is so valuable. And I would always say, right, you, you've got until the, the hour. So on the hour... So if I'm making a big decision and it's 20 past one, I have to have made that decision, whatever it is, put it to bed by, by two o'clock. And sometimes if that's even quarter two, it, it, you're not getting quite to 10 seconds, but you've got 15 minutes. You can't waste any more time on this because otherwise I'll sit thinking about that all afternoon. Mm. So it was a little bit similar. Um, yeah, it's like it's like self self pressure almost, but that can be used as a <laughs> self pressure. Self pressure, yeah, because that that can be used as a, as a as a tool to to be a motivator within yourself to actually yeah like make these decisions. I, th- I think as, as it's like anything you do, you, you you could spend we could sit here until five o'clock this afternoon deciding on the best way to light and film a podcast yeah. but we could also sit here for the next twenty minutes and have made that decision. So you 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 you, you can use so much time to do things but you have to put those limits on it a bit like 10 seconds you, you've got to do it 
Yeah, that's it. And um, uh, an email you sent to us um, a few days ago talking about um, a, um, a, a business called Gusto. Gusto, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, that, that was interesting because uh, you, you were discussing some points in there about um, like time motivators. Uh, so like like poor time and rich time, I think you, um, you said in the email. And it, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a link there, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. For, for the, um, for, for we're talking about time. Yeah, it was just, it, interestingly, the guy from Gusto, um, what caught my attention, it was in the news last week, very, uh, very good company. And the guy had, uh, had actually started it because he wanted to save himself time he, he, he couldn't prepare meals he he was struggling with his life so he thought right I've got I've got to get a system in place and then took that away and um, thought well this is going to work for other people because as we've just mentioned time is is so is valuable such, a, yeah, such, such so valuable for everybody mm. um, and Gusto if you don't know what it is it's, it's basically where you can uh, and I'm not on commission to plug this <laughs> and I don't use it actually but you can go and you can get boxes sent to you for your week's food little recipe card, all the ingredients in there and, and you make, you know, your chicken pasta dish or whatever that might be. Mm. And it's really successful, you know, um, only UK based um, at the moment, um, but, it, but he's doing really well from it. And just so interesting that it came from that idea of when you read the article, I just sat down and thought, how can I save myself time? And then you've got the, the business idea. So again, mm. a little bit related to 10 second thinking and, and stuff we've been talking about. Mm. And, and, do you think that can be more of a motivator with people now? Say, like, money has always been a big motivator in business and for people's personal lives, and obviously still is, still always will be. But, um, but, but time is, is, a, <laughs> is, is, is a big motivator as well, because how you spend time your time... Time is a big is, motivator. Hmm, like, how you get to spend your time, so... That's what, that's what people call the work-life balance, isn't it? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Hmm. So, so, so that is, is, is very important. Like, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things, um, one of the things we wanted to talk about was, um, the benefits of outsourcing and Mm -hmm. et cetera. So, um, do you want want to hear my view on that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I I mean, I think, again, I think, you know, obviously to some extent, um, uh, although, um, you know, we try not to be self-promoting and I think, now, one of the things that people are kind enough to say is usually when I talk publicly, it's very non-self-promoting. Um, but uh, obviously, we do provide the complete business growth service. Um, and in order for the complete business growth service, and, and, and let's take um, Ben, actually. I mean, one of the things about making him, um, one of the things that st- stood out to me mm-hmm. right from the moment today is how much better he is at this than we are. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that, but... No, no, I, I think so. I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking this chap is really good at this, mm, right? Mm. And, and I'm feeling like a, an enthusiastic amateur sat next to him. I was mm. genuinely, genuinely. That's that's something I thought. That's the first thing when we started doing this today. Mm. That was the first thing I thought. This isn't Ben really good, and, and, and like he's he's confident, it's natural, and you can see that he he's at home. Mm-hmm. Right? So that, that's actually quite a good example. So Ben doesn't actually isn't actually employed by Aspen Weight as such. So you could argue that he's a great example of outsourcing. In a way, uh, Ben has a range of skills that nobody in Aspen Weight has. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it is uh, I could invest in a Ben or creating a situation that would give us the same resource that Ben can give us. And it's really a, a, a question, I suppose, of um, making a smart decision and also um, one in keeping with your business philosophy. So if you look at the Complete Business Growth Service, the Complete Business Growth Service basically revolves around one simple concept, which is we have uh, a box, a toolbox, with, say, 50 tools in it. That's how I describe it to people, right? Yeah. And, and you as a customer can choose one tool or two tools, or you could have all the tools, Right. Let's say 30 of the tools are actually Aspen Weight tools and the other 20 are our are, are trusted partners. So these are so people so Ben in a way is a trusted partner, you could say. So the way I look at it is could could I, for instance, if I wanted to have my own financial services company? Mm-hmm. Yes. What and then I think to myself, well, why, why would I want to do that? I'm not personally a financial services guru. Nobody actually on the payroll of Aspen Weight at the moment is a financial services guru. Uh, I happen to know a guy that's brilliant, Sandro Forte. So why don't I become his best mate? 
<laughs> isn't that isn't that a more appropriate way to to provide the complete business growth service? See what I mean? Mm. So, in my opinion, so I, I've made a decision strategically several years ago that um, I was happy um, where there was a new cost center, you might call it, to, rather than actually build the cost center myself, to, to find someone that already had the expertise in that area and simply collaborate with them. Mm, and that's that's the key word, collaborate, because a lot of people can outsource and they, they'll do that, but they'll just say, like, buy services off another company that they can't, um, they can't do themselves. But what your philosophy has always been is, is, some, is some kind of collaboration or, you know, with that company, which is mutually beneficial, um, that kind of thing. No, so it doesn't have to be, though. No, no it always, doesn't have to be, it? but it, it just having that mindset towards, um, I, I think, helps the kind of relationship that you can have with that, with those companies. I think the, the toolbox analogy for me is a, is a really good one. It links to everything that we've obviously talked about as far as uh, how do you, you long-term think uh, about your digital marketing, for example, which is what the podcast started talking about. And, mm. and I think that the, the toolbox idea is great because it just shows you that, again, it goes back to that way of thinking. If you, you know, how, do, how do you grow and have this brilliant marketing department and, and do the, the video in and do this, that and the other? Well, actually, if you think about it in, in, in your terms, then you just need to find the right tools. And that might not yeah. be in your own business. It might be that we have to get the tools oh, elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, so, and I think, yeah, I think the other thing that's, um, you know, because obviously one of the benefits, one of the, one of the purposes of our podcast is, is to, is to um, help other people and, and, and pass on wisdom to them. So I think you also have to look. So, so for instance, you know, I'm quite happy to say this. So, uh, I talked about my vision for the marketing department. Mm-hmm. So I see at some point in the future uh, the Aspen Weight Marketing Department being probably ten strong, at least probably ten people. And I, and this is not I want. We will, right? We will have uh, state of the art technology at our at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. So we will be able to produce holographic. Uh, holographic marketing or whatever you want to call it um uh obviously digital or, or whatever whatever way technology takes us and it's going to take us into areas that we don't even understand now but as you know as i've discussed many times the the sort of star wars star trek technology is here <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on the cusp of it and one of the things i find uh sorry to digress into um into current affairs a bit but it's, it's very relevant this one of the things I find very depressing about Extinction Rebellion, right, is um, they, um, and I've, 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 I've listened to uh, many of their leaders recently on, okay. on, on, on the YouTube, I'm very well versed in this. So uh, very recently I heard them say that uh, by 2025, we're not talking about, you know, a long time now, uh, they, they, if they were, you know, in charge of the government, uh, there would be no steel production, no chemicals produced, for instance, in the UK. Right mm-hmm. now, of course, uh, as a as a sensible person, uh, one of the first things that comes to mind is, well, how how ridiculously own goaling is that? The Chinese already make all the cheap steel, mm-hmm. right? So Welsh steel, which is possibly the best in the world, is something like three times more expensive than Chinese steel. But Chinese steel is inferior. So extinction rebellion stop us making steel. Well, what it does is it, it doesn't. Chinese aren't going to stop making steel. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. You know, mm. and and of course uh, the the wider point I wanted to make is that what what extinction rebellion would have us do is effectively live in mud huts. Mm. Yeah. So we basically say goodbye to technology. We've got to go back and uh, dance around and and smoke weed and, and 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 eat sweet corn or something all day, and that's all we do. Whereas to me, you see, that, 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 that is actually well-intentioned. So, if you, you know, I, I have to believe that most of the people in that movement are well-intentioned. Yeah. I genuinely care about the environment, environment yeah. and, and all things. And I am, I think that what I do is of much greater benefit to society than someone dancing around in Hyde Park. Because mm. what I'm actually doing with many other great people that I work with, you know, like David Shearer's... Um, and many many clients is what we are doing is we are we are driving forward uh, technology and innovation to actually create sustainable solutions to yes. the problems that we have. Yeah. So, for instance, you know, if you said to me, um, make a prediction about what would happen in the future, I believe that we will be able to control the weather, and basically, someone can say, "What sort of day do we want to have today?" 
We're going to have a sunny day. No one seriously believes this. Mm. And, and, and we'll have a sunny day. Mm. And then it'll be all... Uh, I okay. think that's dangerous though, Paul. Oh, and I'm just... just Maybe as a different discussion. It's a, just, a whole podcast that is, I think. Yeah, I'm just so you know, uh, 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 we wouldn't have a situation where there were droughts and things because mm. it would be a controlled mm. situation. So what I'm saying is, is that um, I, I I have to believe that with the technology that we have uh, and and will have that uh, it will be it will be possible to create a uh, innovative solution to, for instance, uh, I don't know eating up carbon monoxide, mm. for instance, you know. Mm. So we, we gobble up carbon monoxide in a way that takes away that, that, that problem. Yeah, well, just fuel is the next thing as well. So uh, instead of using natural resources like technology is that it's getting now with cars and batteries and electric cars and all that, like, I can see I can see all that, that happening like sooner rather than later, which would be good for the environment. <laughs> and just to say that the, uh, that we, you do mention... Um, technology in the future and holographic technology in in the live talk which is on youtube just a little plug just oh he's good at so, doing this isn't oh he? yes <laughs> yeah so yeah so, so, so the point i'm starting off with was that at this moment in time for instance and i think yeah, it's, it's another good point as well so ben isn't here through uh, chance mm. right? so how how, d- how did we how did we create synchronicity well it is actually <laughs> just, as well as it is because you know again if you look at if you look at that so, uh, in terms of, if I was writing a chapter in Serendipitous Synchronicity, right, about, about Ben, so the opportunity is created through Gary White and Ben, mm-hmm. right, and through football. They come together, and, and then, then they create, right, first opportunity, do Aspen Way actually want to sponsor Back of the Net? So the answer is yes. So it was actually quite, Gary and I were eating a pizza or something, and um, we, we agreed that we would do that, Okay. Then, actually, several months roll by from my point of view. Uh, then Gary says to me about four weeks ago when I'm in a meeting with him, "Oh, Ben's turning up at two thirty or whatever." Um, right? It wasn't. I didn't know he was going to. <laughs> he walks in, and we we end up having a conversation I wasn't expecting. Um, and of course, then we have the, the the Reading Expo coming up. Then Ben, this is all about creating things for yourself. Mm. Right? If Ben had just sat there. <laughs> you know, nothing would have happened. But he 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 communicated. I listen. We develop. Uh, creates opportunity. Mm. Would you like me to do this? Yes, I would. Um, so we then have uh, an experience at Reading, which was highly professional, uh, and we ended up um, having a really good bonding chat over a cup of tea. I would say. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Really good. You know, the last the last chat of the day was me talking to Ben in the canteen. Over a cup of tea, and we and we discovered that we were incredibly like-minded mm. in in huge uh, number of aspects. Mm. So the whole ex- so Ben's whole existence, you like, is a great example of serendipitous synchronicity. Mm. It's it's a great example of people getting people. Yeah, and I think that's that's very and important. It's, and, it's ha- and it's the mindset in, you in have your in point, those you know, you're outsourcing. Yeah, yeah. So to, what I, you know, what I tend to do is I I come across people like Ben. I think oh, he's, I really like Ben. He's a great chap. I can work with him. Right, and now actually, what's happening here is actually at the moment, the greater the greater the experience, the more experience I'm having of him, the better I'm feeling. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm seeing more of him. You know, I'm picking up this very strong feeling that you and I are sat today with a with a professional compared to us, <laughs> for instance. You know, uh, and I find that good because I, I want I, I'm sitting there thinking I want to be like that. I, mm. want, I want to reach a standard in the future mm. where I I people would look at me like I'm looking at him. Yeah. Right, and I think that Ben will help me get there. I have more chance of doing that with Ben in my life than mm-hmm. I would if he wasn't, for instance. Yeah, and that's very honest and it's saying that and it's being able to say that. That's very, very good in itself. I think it works. A really interesting point that you made about, um, you know, finding those those tools from a business point of view. And it, it works both ways. You hear people say a lot, well, actually, um, from my point of view, for example, I've, I've always been the person that would, would go and, and do things and say, well, actually... If you sit, if you sit around, you're you're never going to create an opportunity. But if you want something, you go and get it, and you keep mm. working, you keep working. And we've heard that said quite a lot. But from a business point of view, to hear it said as a business, well, actually, if you go and f- try and find people, or if you make the effort to come across people and take those opportunities as well as a business, then you will find hopefully those people that, like you said, will help you for the next ten years 
develop it. And I think sometimes maybe businesses could be a little bit more open-minded and, and a little bit more eyes open to actually there's an opportunity to use these tools. Mm. Yeah, say, say yes more, be open-minded more to those things. Or, or when, a, when an opportunity is presented um, to you, then it's how you react to that which will determine how it goes. And this is a, a good example of it working well. <laughs> it could have worked the other way because, yeah. um, you know, Paul says obviously that I, I came in and I started to do things and suggest things, but Paul could have just said, well, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm busy or I'm not sure how that will work. Yeah. And, and you, you, so you sometimes find that where people just have such, we talk about, we talk, we've talked about time. They're so busy that they might think, well, yeah, yeah maybe we'll do that in the future or yeah, come and see me in a, a few weeks. But Paul was good enough to say, well, actually, yeah, just come mm. down and, and just do it. And yeah, because I think it all ties into this disruption thing and everything, you know, like if you have got that mindset, you're creating those new opportunities and it's... Um, well, I, I think, it's, I think it, you know, it comes back to that very uh, difficult question Ben asked me uh, a few minutes ago. You know, I think um, ultimately it comes down to the sincerity of your ambition. Sincerity of your ambition. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because it, it's, it's interesting because... Um, at the expo, um, as we discussed, you know, I've started doing a. If you're sitting in front of me, I could give you an hour of my time. Yeah, know? and there was quite a good few afterwards. And one of the chaps called Sam asked me if I would mentor him. Okay, and then he asked me a very interesting question, which no one had ever asked me before. He said, "What basically? What sort of did he have to demonstrate to me for me to take him on?" Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember quite how he put it, but it was. And I thought, well, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know really. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, well, I suppose. Um, and I think I said, I said, I think it would come down to the genuineness and sincerity of your ambition, mm-hmm. and whether I you could communicate that to me, and I would be motivated to help you to achieve that. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's an sort of analogous point to what I'm making. So. You know, it takes quite a lot of courage to stand up in front of other people and say, I want to be great, mm. doesn't it? Mm. You know, I, I think of very few people other than me who would actually say that to 30 people in a room. You know, I think I can be great. I'm not telling you I'm going to be great, but I'm going to bloody well try hard because I think I've got an opportunity to be great. So then if, you're, if you genuinely uh, think that, so I genuinely do want to be, you know, I don't, I don't say things because it sounds good. Mm-hmm. We, we are not going to go from where we are today to the leading firm in the UK without embracing uh, a whole lot of change. And as I, as I always say in group meetings, you guys in this room, you need to understand that in order for us to get to where we're going to get to, there are a whole load of people we don't even know yet. Mm. If, you don't, if, you don't, if you don't accept that, then you're in the wrong company. Yeah. You know, because... You know, if, you t- if you take you know where we are now, we've got what four people in the marketing team. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now you know building on that with Ben and um, and Shane, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to get to my vision of having ten people and all the wonderful skills, you know, and I want to produce music, as you know, and and mentor bands and and, and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's a journey, isn't it? If you mm-hmm. like, choose the metaphor, it's not going to happen. Straight away, so you have to you have to think about what you're at A. You want to get to Z. What does Z said look like? Z mm. means I've got my own recording company. Blah, blah, I've got this. I've got that. So what are you know what are the logical steps? So what I tend to do is, I guess I, I call it. I have lots of light bulbs in my head. Mm. So when I come across, say Ben, marketing light bulb comes on, right? Engage. Right, so without this is what's going on in my mind. Martin so, a light bulb comes on. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so this 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 subconscious debate goes on in my brain, which I'm not even aware of, uh, and it's yes, I want to buy, I want to buy Ben Eldham stock shares. Yeah, so that that because because I I perceive that that is going to help me get closer to Z than mm. I am at the moment. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's it's really it comes back again to. Um, now you said something earlier about um, standing still. You know, as we discussed, you know, plan, uh, not 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 standing still. I mean, you know, failing to plan is is planning That's to fail. fail. Yeah. So um, it's, it's it's very much understanding uh, that you you need you need to move forward, and, and 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 I think being one of the words I would use for myself would be opportunistic. Mm. Why so, do you, why do you think people are reluctant to embrace change <laughs> in their businesses? And because I, I think. I th- I, th- I think 
we're, we're all we're all programmed that way. Mm. So without getting that. into sort of science and biology, I think we're all we're all just programmed in that way. If 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 I came into your house and moved some of your furniture, you you might not mind because you 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 might think, well, I, I like Ben. He's fine. If he wants to move some stuff around, that's okay. But you might find that you would still put you out. It would it would you wouldn't sit well with you. Mm. And if you're someone like me, I'd have to change it back and get the Hoover out and. Mm. Because we all like our own, we're all um, programmed. I think um, you could probably relate this back to cavemen. Probably that, <laughs> that we we we're programmed to to like our own uh, space, to like our own things how they are. Mm. Change, I think, just uh, it has a as a chemical reaction on the brain that mm. that's difficult. So when you talk about it from a business point of view, all those things are still the same. So um, that, that that produces so many challenges, and some people inevitably are better at at it than others mm. um when i think about change i always think about that uh, famous book of who moved my cheese um I like cheese. which uh, <laughs> which which really did i remember reading that when i was probably 18 and really started thinking about business and where i wanted to go oh, wow. and it, it's always stuck with me about well if you you know if someone moves something you've got to go and you've got to go and find it and mm. you know you can relate obviously relate that to business very much and, and it, it all ties into you know, what, what Paul was saying about uh, 10 years, you know, thinking ahead. Yeah, because that's going to be a lot. To get to that place is going to take a lot of change and you're going to need to embrace that um, and train your brain not to have that reaction of just, I just want to stand, I just want to be here comfortable, you know. I just want to share something with you. It just came to me that this is another sort of random things that, that occur in my brain every now and again. Um, I can't remember who I had a conversation with uh, this week, but uh, uh, it's sort of relevant to uh, the, the, the discussion today. Um, one of the things I so as a generalization over the last five years we've grown roughly at eighty percent per annum for that five year period. Okay, uh, and I, I said to uh, whoever it was I was talking to, I said, "Would you agree that most businesses would be happy if they had eight percent growth? If you could say to a, a, an average business, oh. your business is going to grow eight percent per annum for ten years, right? So this is this is what I right now. You think about so that means that that business is going to grow." Let's not get too carried away with compounding. Uh, if we just said for the purposes of today, that business is going to grow 80%. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make, really. So no geeky mathematicians correcting me on this, please. <laughs> so the whole point is just to understand a situation of growing 80% over 10 years. So the person in my position has got 10 years to evolve. Mm. What I'm having to do is to do that in one year. Mm. Mm. That's that was quite a good thing. I realised that. And I thought, yeah, actually... I, I now even understand myself even better because, you know, it's, it, I, I've made it quite um, public that I've been going through quite a big... Rapid. A big um, mind oh, yeah, change yeah. or whatever, a, you know, an internal debate of myself. Um, because needs must, because there's because, big changes because, because, in your company. Because um, I realise that both my, my own um, management style and everything and processes, and more importantly, the people working for me... Um, with me and the processes we were we had were nowhere near good enough for us to be a 40 million turnover company mm. so you can't sit there today and say well i'm turning over eight million pounds therefore uh i i just need to make decisions on that basis the fact is if you're going to turn around and say well i'm actually going to become a 40 million pound company you need to be thinking ahead you yeah. know so i thought i just thought i'd share that with you because i th- you know, uh, so the whole thing is everything speeded up. I, mm. I've, I've effectively mm. got to, in one year, go through all the stuff that someone would have ten, ten years, years to, yeah. to grow into. You know, is that is that a very rare occurrence in business from your um, experience? Other businesses that you've worked with, like like this, this rapid growth. Well, clearly, yeah. No, I was going to say it's not a, not a very common thing. So it would bring its own set of huge challenges, infrastructure and. All that stuff does it interestingly so we've talked we were talking about 10 year plan and, and we and that and that um you know the fact that it's expediated for you means you've been through a lot of change we talked about how change is difficult and the, the whole podcast really about uh, thinking different ways digital marketing you mentioned sincerity of ambition for other people and that you like to see that as a when we're talking about change and how you deal with it if your sincerity of your ambition you, you know your own sincerity of ambition you know where you want to be mm-hmm. is that really important for somebody in a business and way of looking at it to to try and help them with change because if i know that i want to be somewhere in 10 years and the sincerity behind that ambition is there i've written it down however i want to do it and i know that that's where i want to be that will 
help me with the more you can get into that mindset the the more you'll be able to deal with those changes so presumably you've been through huge changes mm-hmm. where we talked about the biology of usually it would it would knock people sideways and and they wouldn't like it but if you know where you're going and you, and the sincerity behind your ambition is there it's more likely that you'll get through those changes yeah absolutely mm. yeah well yeah well, it comes down to um uh you know without without going uh, uh, going into a negative way so the positive way um, you know, I realised about three months ago through a number of uh, uh, issues that um, t- certain parts of my makeup were deficient mm. and I needed to change. So the reason why I was prepared to do that is because I, I, I want to be the best chief executive anyone could be, right? doesn't mean to say I will be, but I want to be. That sincerity so, of ambition. That doesn't sincerity of, so my... my um, my, my ambition is genuine as much as anybody. It's, like, it's a bit like, you know, the, the story I tell about um, the hotel I stayed in the first night I did my John O'Groats to Land's End ride, you know, and did a thousand miles. And the guy said to me, um, uh, uh, an average person staying here takes about 11 days to do it. Why, why are you going to take eight? And I said, because I'm not average. <laughs> that's that's actually what I said. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the other thing I said, because because that's what I know I can do. That's what I trained for. Mm. You know, I trained mm. to do 125. What I did is I trained to do 125 miles a day, cycling at 14 miles an hour. My coach said to me, all you have to do is be able to cycle 14 miles an hour for nearly nine hours every day. Mm. You don't need to worry about someone overtaking you and going 20 miles. Because all if you do that, then you'll get very tired. So if you really want to cycle a thousand miles, what your mindset's got to be is mm-hmm. cycle fourteen miles an hour, every nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, and that's actually you know this I tell the story. You know Colin, my mate Colin, who who uh, very much supports me. He was in the household cavalry. The thing that he always says that I I taught him or I teach him, in particular for the bike ride, was discipline. Mm. So he what he didn't have that strength of character. To metronomically cycle like I do, yeah, right. Like you said, but, sometimes he would go off and, whew, yeah, like, you know, yeah. Um, but this, see, this, this, you know, we talked about sport and, and business the other day. But see, to me, that that it doesn't make any difference whether it's uh, a thousand mile bike ride or you're trying to grow a forty million turnover business. To some extent, it comes down to. Uh, so in my case, are you really going to cycle a thousand miles, right? So if, if I just sat there then and I kept eating bacon butties and drinking and smoking and said yeah eating pies, that, but just, then yeah. then I wouldn't succeed. Yeah. But I didn't do that, so you know I stopped drinking nine months before it, yeah. literally, uh, and I built up my training to a point where I was doing a hundred miles a day yeah. circuits the week before I did it. I came home the time I did six time trials at seventy miles, and I thought I can do this. Mm. And that's the same thing. It comes back to sincerity of ambition. Mm. Do you really want to do it? Mm. And then, obviously, that involves sacrifices. Yeah. So, you know, you could say, if you, if you were to look at my personality and my interaction over the last three months, at the start of that period, I was quite withdrawn for me mm-hmm. because, because, because I'm going through this period of, hey, I'm not as good as I thought I was, you know. Uh, and, then, and then what comes over is the resilience and the genuineness of the ambition wins. So it's like, Okay, stop, what stop feeling sorry for yourself, yeah. you idiot. You know, do you, do, are you going to give up on your ambition? No, you're not, are you? So what do you need to do? Right, you need to man up a bit. You need to be a bit, a bit firmer with people. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to... You already know what to do, but you're, you're not policing it, you know? Yeah. So, for instance, I'd meet people for the first time. I, I would then write a brilliant report of what I expected from them, but I wouldn't enforce it. Mm, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And then, because I'm, I guess, quite a nice chap, I'd find myself being sucked into situations. Right. Uh, and then And then... We go three months down the road, and you'd look back and think, "Crikey, I've put forty-three thousand pounds in that business, and I just still haven't got the answers to my first report." That would be a good example of yeah. old Paul, you know. Mm. And of course, I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh, that's a, that's a that's not a not in line with the." Yes, yeah. yeah, so, so I think yeah, the the sincerity of ambition point is is a hugely valid one, mm, mm. and it makes me think as well about uh, what you say about being in the business being too in the business sometimes rather than seeing the bigger picture. Well, people say working on the business, not in the business. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So um, people can get so caught up in that, but you need to think of the overall ambition and the bigger picture more and kind of almost remove yourself from, yeah, <laughs> a little bit, I think. 
So just uh, try, uh, so we'll be we'll be we'll be here all day. Otherwise, so uh, you raised a very interesting question about, um, I guess, the motivation of why you run a business in the first place, mm-hmm. uh, and the point I think you're making is, is um, you know, uh, I suppose traditionally people run a business um, to make money. I guess to some extent, and if you take the sort of Maslow's triangle, you know, hierarchy of needs sort of point of view, you have the basic um, earning enough money to pay the mortgage. To, to get some food, to tend your children to school, those sort of things, you know. Um, and then I guess um, it's it's is, is there is there more to business than than, than simply money? That's really the point, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was this the discussion we had about time as well. How important time is uh, in your life? So is that more of a motivator than than money? Do you have any um, views on that, Ben? I think for me, um, m- money. Is never been a time is my motivator, and it sounds really strange because people say, "Well, actually, you can't you can't run a business without money, and you can't you can't live without money." And we talked about like the hierarchy of needs, but for me, time. Whenever I'm working on a project, it's it's not about money; it's about time. And you can say that it is related to money because ultimately, if you work on a project for, I remember doing a project a few years ago, um, and it was a big project. I was operations director at a football club, and we were moving into a new ground. And we were building a food business alongside the ground and all sorts of things. It was really challenging. And I remember thinking, right, this is, I need to, when I spend a year on this, I want to then have the time to decide which project I'm working on next, um, time to go and do the things that I want to do. So you want to be financially rewarded, obviously. And actually that that time helped me to then grow my, the money helped me to grow my business. So, but but it's it was for me, the, the first thing I always think about is time. You know, it, it you have to we it's the most simplest thing work life balance but time is is my motivator what, what when when can i if i work on this project what time will i get to do the things that i want to do instead of just thinking well actually if i work on this project this is going to get me uh, this amount of money so i think it is important i think it is mm. important and it mm. goes back to perhaps it links to um sincerity of ambition perhaps <laughs> perhaps <laughs> if we'd like to tie off the podcast neatly it might do mm. very good i mean, so uh, bringing it to an end so the thing that my answer to that would be and it's uh, something i think i said in reading for instance i say it a lot is obviously money going back to something i said earlier in the podcast um having money uh makes it much easier to make good decisions so the thing the thing that i have most enjoyed about um having more money which comes out of obviously more turnover is i can make better decisions and uh again so this is a fact so my coach, John Holden, uh, often says to me, I'm the only person he coaches who's driven by values, not by profit. Mm. Right? So, that's, so that's my answer to that. So I'm not driven by money. I'm driven by values. Right? Mm. So that comes down to things like, um, so I, I saw a new client yesterday, great business in a um, big farm on the outskirts of Monmouth. Okay, uh, and, and these people... Um, probably have just about every issue problem that a business could have you know and uh the the business owner said to me that you're a really busy chap you know have you really got the time to you know are you are you going to look after us yourself you know and i said if i wasn't i wouldn't be here you know and what i said was i said one of the things i like about where i'm at now i said i can choose who i want to work with mm. so i mean so uh, I will get. I I, I I said to them. I know I can save you, mm. right? And you're helping me do that because of your attitude. You, know, you have told me the truth. I basically grilled them. And they came out and they said, "This is this is this is. You need to read this. Can I keep that? Yes. Mm. You know. Um, and it comes back a little bit to serendipitous synchronicity. You know, because um, we had, we had a totally open meeting. They didn't lie. They told the truth. Uh, I'm on the other hand, go back. So the thing is, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a very good point, this. Um, you know, I've got plenty of other things I could be doing, you know, hundreds of businesses I could be involved in. So to some extent, I'm able to make a choice, which is made easier by, by having money. And I would say, um, so if you look at the expo again, you know, one of the things um, which came out of last week is I was asked to be patron of uh, Cherisher's Charity, which is a business I've been funding for quite a long time now. Um, you know, and so we we run. I think it's five soup kitchens for the homeless and various other other things. You know, and for me, being able to um, use 
use some of Aspen Wake's money to help people who don't have what I have mm. is is incredibly rewarding. And and even you know to see young people say you you know mm-hmm. uh, you 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 start off as effectively a semi professional musician who has uh, some degree of skill. Um, I just call it in, in, in on the internet or something, you know, electronically mm-hmm. working at Hinkley Point. But it was like, well, let's see, let's see if there's a bit more to Drew than that. Mm. And obviously, you have adapted extremely well, haven't you? Mm. So, so I think, I think, I think there has to be a realism that the business needs to be profitable and generate cash. But then, what you do with that? Is, is it's actually multi-layered yeah and and i it's think it's not it, just that it's the the values behind it and i think if I, to be fair if you look at most i think if you look if you were to look at most um let's call them it's not just chief executives i think it's we're looking more at chief executives who are really the owners of their business um you'd find i think most of those people do give a lot back yeah you know and i think i think that's um that's incredibly important I think it's a fundamental part of life as well. There's something I, I believe in, you know, the strong should protect the weak. And to some extent, without taking socialism too far, uh, people with more money should use some of that money to help people that have less money. I mean, to me, it's just simple part of life, you know. Yeah. Mm. It would be interesting to get some questions from this. If people are listening to it, want to get in touch via uh, social media on Twitter. If they've got a, a business... Because we're sitting here from a point of view of I agree with you, and I'm and I know that Drew is agreeing with you on these things. I think that is we've talked about the sincerity and your ambitions, but there's probably businesses out there that are either struggling or they're at certain stages mm. of their cycle where they will say, "Well, hang on a minute, how am I, actually I'm driven because I need to bring this in to then do this." So it, it would be if you guess if you've got a question. If you if you're looking at this from a different yeah, point of view, it'd be good to put a different question. Oh yeah, on for that. sure. Podcast at aspinweight.co.uk. Aspin-weight.co.uk. Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear hear your questions and um, get some answers from Mr. Paulo. Paulo, <laughs> get them on the next podcast. Yeah, for sure. yeah. So um, I, th- I think um, we'll wrap it up there. It's, yep. been, a, it's been a great just one. over an hour. Yeah, and um, so. Have you been listening to any music this week, Paul? Uh, have I been listening to it? Not, 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 not very not, much. Not, to be not much. No. no. Mm. I tell you, I tell you what. This is this is um, uh, confession on air. This. I tell you, we've played so much music now. I can't actually remember <laughs> which tracks uh, we played and which ones we haven't. Have we actually played "Windmills of Your Mind" by Noel Harrison yet? No. So that's what we're going to play today. Oh, lovely. Um, so. Um, a nice cerebral song. Um, so Noel Harrison is the son of Rex Harrison, as in My Fair Lady. If um, He was, um, what's his name, Professor Higgins in uh, My Fair Lady, uh, the, the version with Audrey Hepburn as Eliza Doolittle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also, um, he also played Dr. Doolittle, actually, I think, Rex Harrison. Um, and he's a re- very famous actor of, um, I suppose, at his peak in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Noel Harrison was, was his son, um, he actually represented Britain in three Winter Olympics, I believe. I can't remember which, uh, what his skill was. Um, and uh, had a number one hit uh, in the late 60s with this beautiful song, Windmills of Your Mind, just absolutely uh, outstanding lyrics, I think. Quite a short song. Um, so uh, that's, what we're, that's what we're playing today, if that's oh, all right. Oh, nice. Mm. Well, enjoy, listeners, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you very much, Ben. It's been, been great um, having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me on. And I just wanted to say before you hit play on the song, play. Um, before you hit play, <laughs> tell somebody about the podcast. If, if you, when, uh, I know you will. I know Paul will. I know why I will. So um, thanks for listening and tell somebody about the podcast today. There's your challenge. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> catch you next time. Catch you next time. circle in a spiral like a wheel within a wheel never ending or beginning on a never spinning reel like a snowball down a mountain or a carnival balloon like a carousel that's turning running rings around the moon like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its face and the world is like an apple whirling silently in space
Crack the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind Like a tunnel that you follow To a tunnel of its own Down a hollow to a cavern Where the sun has never shone Like a door that keeps revolving In a half-forgotten dream Or the ripples from a pebble Someone tosses in a stream Like a clock whose hands are sweeping Past the minutes of its face And the world is like an apple Whirling silently in space Like the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind Keys that jingle in your pocket Words that jangle in your head Why did summer go so quickly? Was it something that you said? Lovers walk along the shore And leave their footprints in the sand Is the sound of distant drumming Just the fingers of your hand Pictures hanging in a hallway And the fragment of a song Half-remembered names and faces But to whom do they belong? When you knew that it was over You were suddenly aware That the autumn leaves were turning To the colour of our hair A circle in a spiral A wheel within a wheel Never-ending or beginning On an ever-spinning reel As the images unwind Like the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind